Do you ever feel like you know what it is you need to do, you know how to do it, but you just cannot do it consistently? Maybe you know that you don't want to eat the chocolate, eat the cake, the crisps, or whatever it may be, and you can use willpower to avoid it for so long but then as soon as something happens as soon as you have a negative interaction or you're feeling down or stressed you're in that cupboard and the chocolate is yours and maybe you know you do this and you know that it's been a problem for a while but you don't know how to stop doing it you don't know how to actually make positive changes consistently. Well, if that's you, then this episode is for you. I've got the wonderful Marilyn Raffi on the podcast. She is a pharmacist with a PhD in genetics and an emotional eating coach. And she is someone who has the strategy and the really practical tips to help you to address these issues because she's been there herself. She tells us that she's done 21 diets and through her experiences and her knowledge of healthcare, she has come up with her own method for addressing emotional eating. It's a fascinating conversation with pearls of wisdom throughout. So make sure you listen to the end and enjoy. But welcome to the podcast. I'm Louise Digby, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome back. And I'm really excited to be here with Marilyn. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about your story, Marilyn, because you are a pharmacist, you are a pharmacist, and you have transitioned to working with women in emotional eating. And it's a really interesting transition to make. So I'm really excited to hear your story about why that happened and kind of you know, what happened in your life to bring about that transition. So tell me all about it. Yeah, so thank you first for inviting me and giving me the, you know, the platform to talk about it. So as you said, I am a pharmacist and have a PhD in genetics, but also I'm someone who's done so many diets. I've counted them, I've done 21 diets, and I'm sure I've done more than those. And I got to a point a few years ago, maybe five, six years ago, where I was so confused, so confused with all, everything, all the messages that we got. And, you know, every day there's a new diet that we should do. And I thought, you know what, if I have all this knowledge and I know everything and still I am confused, like there must be something. And I was actually on therapy at that time. And through books that the therapist recommended, I found this book called Breaking Free from Emotional Eating from Janine Roth. And I realized actually there is something about it. There is like, it's not that I'm confused by diet. It's not that like I really need to find the secret of how to lose weight. But every time life happens, I go to food to feel better. So yes, diets are not working that way because to, food is my only tool in life. So I started working on this for myself, really for myself and nothing else. And then I was in between jobs and I was a bit bored and everything. And then I decided to do meetups online and 
people started to join and everything. And then I did started to do a podcast. And, you know, I was a bit ashamed of this. I thought it's a very niche problem. All my friends will hear about it and make fun of me. Not make fun of me, but like judge me that, you know, I'm this gluttonous person that uses food to deal with life. And I realized actually it's the opposite. I started having messages from acquaintances and it was very surprising to say I resonate with this. And, and people like, if you look at them, if you judge like, which we shouldn't do, but if you judge them based on their body, you would never think that they do emotional eating. And a few years now, later down the line, I realized actually something that everybody does. So yeah, this was my journey, I guess. So interesting. Yeah, I think I see it in most of my clients and, you know, not everyone realizes it, but you know, it's, it's just kind of the way that we're built, isn't it? We do it. And I think that it's something that a lot of us know what we need to do, but we just can't put it into action consistently a lot of the time because we are, you know, controlled by our emotions because so many of us use food as a, like a, a comforting or coping mechanism or a way of comforting ourselves. So why is it that when we know what we need to do and we know that doing all the things is going to make us feel good, why can't we just do it? Why can't we just do that consistently? That's the million dollar question. And what I always say to people I work with is exactly what you said. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to eat and what not to eat. You know that pizza or whatever, like it contains this amount of whatever X, Y, Z, but I'm going to help you deal with the why. And I think it's, it's many reasons why we can't do what we promised ourselves we would do. I mean, it's multifactorial. If you think it stems from childhood, where I feel every time a baby is crying, the mom, and no shame to the mom, gives them milk because maybe they don't know the moms don't know what kids need at that time where so there's the childhood piece there's also later on in childhood maybe people like the, the listeners grew up in a family where there was no space for their emotions every time they would cry or something someone would say okay don't cry don't cry let me give you this to eat or let's go for an ice cream xyz so you start building your brain into like situation and solution situation solution so slowly slowly with time you have the tool plus society society, especially for women where food is put on a pedestal because we need to be thin and food is only a reward. So it's this extra special thing. So every time you feel bad, you want this extra special thing. So there's all those things that really make us, without us wanting it, like food is the best tool to feel better. And we're not going to forget about biology because you know better than me about how food affects neurotransmitters and feel good if you want molecules, serotonin, dopamine. And I was uh, having a chat with an expert on emotional eating and he was saying, actually, this is survival. This is what, in theory, it's really good to love food because then you survive. But today in this world, food is so abundant that we have to fight our nature. So yeah, I guess it's very multifactorial. Mm -hmm. And how realistic is it that we are going to be able to fight our nature? You know, when you factor in the biology of it and the conditioning of our childhood and just the societal pressures, how do we start to 
unpick all of that? Yeah. At first, I want to say it is possible. It is definitely possible. It's not a miracle solution like diets where they tell you in eight weeks you're going to be a completely new person. No, it might take one or two years, depending on how long you've been doing this behavior of emotional eating. But the way to start, I think, first start to understand what hunger is, physical hunger, the hunger in your stomach. Once you know what this is, and a lot of us don't know because we've done so many diets and we've like we ignored hunger because we've been told it's a bad thing, don't feel hungry. But once you really reconnect with, okay, I'm physically hungry in my stomach, then you know when you're emotionally hungry. By knowing one thing, you know what the opposite. And every time you're emotionally hungry, where you feel, okay, we call it mouth hunger, where you're like, okay, I need to put something in my mouth, you know, a bit of saliva, you know, you're salivating. Every time you find yourself wanting to eat emotionally, let's say after a meeting at work, you go, you open the fridge, you grab biscuits, you know you're not hungry, but you start asking yourself, why am I doing this? What emotion am I trying to fill? And then slowly you start from there. There is, of course, the biology point of view, as I said, and, and some foods are addictive, but this is a completely other topic. And also depending on if people had eating disorders or not, like, but the really addictive food, like processed, manufactured with high sugar, high fat, this is an extra effort. However, the emotional bit, it's, it's a really important part of it that we can all work on easily with also patience, which is every time you're emotionally hungry and not physically hungry, you ask yourself why and what can I do instead? Yeah. So it sounds like it's about first of all getting some awareness around what you're actually feeling and trying to feel those feelings rather than just masking them with food is that right yeah definitely and i always say this working on emotional eating it's like a self-discovery journey you will discover that actually oh this person at work triggers me oh these friends when i see them theoretically i think i'm enjoying my time with them but every time i see them i find myself eating binging overeating and I'm like okay some Something doesn't sit well with me. And then it's like a rebirth of yourself. It's not just, okay, I'm working on my diet or whatever my looks. I'm also working on understanding myself at such a deep level. Emotional eating is like mm. a blessing in disguise, if you want, because you have the symptom, you have a signal to tell you I'm not feeling well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. So when we say eating, I think a lot of people think about being sad and eating, but is there more to it than that? Is there, are there other emotions that can trigger emotional eating as well? Yeah, I love that you ask those questions because it's basically all the misconceptions in five minutes. I love that. And I think people will really benefit. <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone thinks that emotional eating is, you know, Elle Woods from Legally Blonde because she broke up with her boyfriend, broke up with her, so she's eating all the chocolate while still st staying thin, you know, but it's not that. It's so much nuanced. Of course, sadness is a part, is a reason why we would would eat emotionally and loneliness and you know all the angle of in emotions you have groups you have the sad yes but also you have other groups of stressed and anxious and feeling overwhelmed by life and it could be very subtle like it could be something you're a bit anxious because you saw something on social media of some like a story that really triggered you but you don't even notice it you think it's not even my story so it could be that you know angle it could be you discussed like someone has a behavior that's really disgusting even I notice for myself when I'm in a place it's so funny but I just want to say it so that people like learn when I'm in a place that's really not clean I used to go to like 
you know, high fat, high sugar food and overeat on those things. Because I don't know, this when made me eat even more, maybe because I didn't want to feel it. So you shut it down. So it's all angles. And the biggest one I feel and that people don't talk about is shame and guilt. Whether shaming if you're in a meeting at work and someone said something like, oh, ha, ha, like laughing or sub laughing at your question or feeling guilty because you canceled on someone last minute, you know, all those things or your parents. Some people have the pressure of their parents if their parents are upset or sad and they feel guilty that they have this beautiful life and they don't allow themselves. We often say that for women and men, our maternal figure, whether our mom or let's say grandmother or and someone that took care of us, we feel like so loyal to their emotions and we want to feel their emotions with them. So if they're not feeling well, we might go and eat emotionally because yeah, it's not sitting well with us. Yeah, we take on other people's emotions and end up emotionally eating, even though we weren't the ones that were feeling sad in the first place or whatever that, that emotion was. Yeah, exactly. So it's like really asking yourself to all those listeners. Of course, there will be a range of emotions that make you eat, but I often find that there is a big group of emotions. For me, it's anxiety. When I'm scared of something, scared for someone in my family, when I like routine, because I had a very chaotic childhood. Plus, my mom was very, a very anxious person. So every time I feel this anxiety, I go to food. I wouldn't mm-hmm. eat if I feel lonely, for example. Loneliness is not something that would make me eat. So for every person is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you know, going back to what you're saying about guilt and shame, I think this is where when you're trying to lose weight or you're dieting, it can become a really vicious cycle because if you fall off the wagon and you eat something that you hadn't planned on eating, then you end up feeling guilty about that. And then that makes you more likely to eat more of it or something else. And then you're in this vicious cycle of feeling guilty. And so often the shame of that can just throw you off track altogether and make you want to give up. And, you know, I always say to my clients, like, just eat the thing because you're so much better off just eating it and enjoying it than trying not to eat it, actually giving in and eating it and then feeling guilty about it. You're going to stay on track more if you actually just allow yourself some indulgences and to eat what you fancy eating. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so I agree with so many things you said. I agree with the fact that, you know, the diet culture also stems from shame and guilt, even like having green points if you ate X, Y, Z and red points if you eat uh, something else, you know, like subliminal messages are you're not good, you're sin. So, and we go into binge because let's say you have a problem, you binge and then you want to restrict so and then you have two problems because you have all the shame and the guilt that you ate plus the initial problem and so my answer for whether we should eat and indulge is a bit nuanced because for me I started when I, so I've been on diets for so, so such a long time all my life I would say since pre-adolescence so when I stopped diets I allowed myself everything but only when I was hungry so that was my rule and that's what I recommend to people and you, you start to discover I like Oreo 
Oreos or actually I don't like Oreos, but because they were forbidden, you know, I had in my mind that they were so special. So this is if you've had a really unhealthy relationship with food, allow yourself to eat whatever you want because binge and overeating will decrease. Afterwards, if you feel you're really healthy, like your relationship with food is really healthy, how would you know you don't think of it? It's not in your bag. Like it's not a huge effort to not eat a cake, let's say at a birthday. Then you start realizing, okay, I might have a good relationship with food. Then you can start saying, okay, I want to not eat X, Y, Z. Always coming from a place of love, coming from a place I want to do good for myself, not because I don't deserve it. Why am I saying this? Because I've been diagnosed, so I'm pre-diabetic and sometimes diabetes, like it really fluctuates. It's in a continuum. So mm-hmm. I can't eat or, I mean, if I eat a lot of sugar I will or carbs, I will have to be on medications. So I don't allow myself to eat a lot of carbs. But it's because I've done all the journey before and I feel now I'm strong enough to say, okay, I don't want to eat those carbs. I'm having this healthy relationship with food. So the answer is nuanced because some people will benefit from allowing themselves once for the first time in their life. And other, maybe later on in their their journey, maybe they want to implement some changes if you want. Yeah, I love that you've said that it's nuanced because I think you're so right. It depends on where you are in your journey. And, you know, for some people, it's going to be easier to come from a place of love with the food choices that they make. And for others, they need to start a little bit further back and allow themselves to have a little bit more variety in their diets. And I think also that there's just such a big difference between saying, I can't have that and I don't want to have that. And, you know, that I don't want to have it come typically, I think, from a place of love because you tend to make that decision based on, you know, wanting to, to do good for yourself and wanting to um, work towards your health goals. Yeah, like in the past when I would see some, let's say we would go to a restaurant and they would order, let's say, dessert and I wouldn't eat. In my mind, what the words I was saying to myself, they get to eat because they're thin, because X, Y, Z, their body can digest or whatever. But me, no. When I lose weight, when I thin, maybe I will be allowed. This was my previous. Now, when we are at dinner, first, it doesn't, I don't even think, I don't even think of them versus me. Of course, I would say sometimes I get a bit triggered. I'm not going to say I'm human after all. But the words that come in my mind is, you know, I made this choice. I feel so strong that I made this choice. I know sugar, when I eat it, I feel like brain fog. I feel like symptoms in my body. And I'm doing this out of strength for myself. So there's a shift, but yeah, I'm not saying amazing. it's easy. Yeah. So for no. listeners, it might take time. And yeah. And that was really what I was going to ask next is, you know, so many of the women that I work with, and I'm sure that you work with as well, are so busy the headspace to even just take a moment to, to think about this stuff before they go ahead and eat something or before they, you know, unconsciously are in the fridge. You know, the headspace kind of isn't there in many cases. So how does someone who's really busy and, and doesn't have a lot of bandwidth start making some progress with this? 
Yeah, the first question one needs to ask herself, or I guess because we're talking about women, is am I really busy or is the busyness helping me to escape something, my anxiety, my fear or something? So that's the first question. And I understand, you know, being busy because I'm the same. I have a full-time job and I have kids and everything. So it's not easy. So in those times, let's say you're really, really, really busy. There's no option. Just think of when you will start to implement those, you know, questions in your mind. Like, you know, the question that I said, ask yourself, am I physically or emotionally hungry? So it's not every time, every second of every day, you will ask yourself these questions to start off. For example, choose a time where life is a bit easier, where your emotions are not really, really high. So if you think of your level of well-being from zero to 10, 10 is I'm really well and zero, I'm really not well. Between around four, we start calling this emotional hijack where your emotions are so strong life is like taking over so don't try to implement those chains when your well-being is between zero and four choose a time where maybe it's seven eight you're starting things are going well but still you're doing a bit of emotional eating you might have 10 minutes this might be let's say three times a week so if you think if people eat emotionally four times a day you're only choosing three times a week which is a good start and then you build on this because in terms of your building a new skill and there's I don't know if probably you spoke about this in your podcast the four levels of knowledge or building a new skill the first one the lowest one is okay I really like it it's quite simple so the first one is level one is unconsciously incompetent so you don't know you don't have the skill you don't even know it so maybe it's your listeners five minutes before listening to the podcast. They didn't know they did emotional eating for some of them. Then you move to consciously incompetent. So now you're listening to a podcast, you realize, oh, I have this. I'm incompetent. Like I do emotional eating. I know it, but I don't have the skills. A third level is consciously competent. You know, you're doing emotional eating. You can't stop yourself, but it requires a lot of effort. So maybe let's, you can ask the listeners three times a week to start practicing and they will move to consciously competent. Of course, it fluctuates. And then the highest level is unconsciously competent. So you don't do emotional eating without even thinking of it. So it's a journey mm -hmm. and it's not, okay, let's reach to the highest level in two seconds. That is um, really interesting. And I also think you know, what you said about just, if, you know, if you're emotionally eating four times a day, you can just work on emotional eating three times a week. Yeah, that is such an interesting way of looking at it because you kind of feel like if you're emotionally eating four times a day then you need to work on it four times a day and if you don't manage to work on it one time then you know a lot of people will feel like they've fallen off the wagon they've failed they've let themselves down but actually giving yourself permission to just choose like three times or whatever makes sense for that person is a really almost like it takes away some of the stress of it, some of the anxiety of it, and gives you a little bit more flexibility with being able to implement some of these things. So I really love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. And there are some things that will trigger you so deeply that even if you want to work on it, it will be hard. So just allow yourself. So mm -hmm. maybe for you, it's a deep wound from childhood. Let's say some people, I feel maybe their maternal figure shamed them for their body. And then their mom calls them and they will be really deeply triggered. Maybe their partner, maybe not abandons them, but doesn't answer them. And they have this deep uh, fear of abandonment from their childhood. Yeah, these things will be so deep that maybe you won't at the beginning be able. Just the awareness is enough 
okay, this is why I'm eating. Mm. And other things, maybe mm -hmm. let's say, I don't know, a friend called you and complained and you're like, okay, whatever. And it's a bit triggering. You can control yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you have a specific method that you use with your clients. So what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, we discussed a little bit today in, you know, throughout the episode. So the first step, it's a four-step method. It's called the EEM method. So the first step is to make the decision. It takes, I usually say it takes one second, but actually it takes maybe 10 years and one second because you have to make the decision that I'm not going to use a food to deal with life, which is not very easy. So one is make the decision. Two, step two and three, they work together depending on how people are, if you want, and their story, which is one is to heal your relationship with food, what we've discussed. So have a relationship where food is not put on a pedestal. So this is step two. And step three is to kind of understand yourself, your childhood, your childhood is trauma or not trauma or just, you know, issues. For example, doing therapy, doing coaching sessions, understand your inner child. So when you are in somewhere in a meeting and triggered for no reason, try to understand what. So this is the third point. Why is it important? Because mm -hmm. triggers are the ones that make you eat. So if you understand what triggers you and what you can do instead, it will help. And the last step, is to improve on your eating habits. So last, you know, some people say, oh, you know, I eat, I don't know, I drink oatmeal because there's tryptophan. I'm just saying just whatever. And like they go into such details where I, I eat a dark chocolate, not milky chocolates. And you're like, okay, it's great, but you're kind of missing the first steps. You're never going to get where, where you want to go if you, you don't have a good relationship with food. If every time life happens, you eat. So for me, it's the last step. Yeah, absolutely. And I see that a lot as well, where people are trying to get too almost like technical with their nutrition and they've actually skipped getting the foundations in place and, you know, get to get the foundations in place consistently, we've got to have a good relationship with food. So it totally makes sense that coming to the food at the end of your kind of method, you know, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, and so, I was actually doing this method. Why I did this method, I was having like a discussion with endocrinologist from Imperial and she has a method as good as bariatric surgery for obese patients and diabetic patients. And she told me this method if people have an eating disorder or something like unhealthy relationship with food, they don't start the method on them. They heal first and then they mm. start the treatment. So yeah. Well, that's refreshing to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, if people want to find out more about you and what you do, how can they do that? Yeah, so um, if you want, my website is where you can find most of the information, marilynraffi.com. I'm also on Instagram at Emotional Eating with Marilyn, same for TikTok. And every week, every Friday, I have a, an episode on the podcast also called Emotional Eating with Marilyn. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been such an interesting conversation and listeners will put everything in the show notes and tag Marilyn on Instagram as well so that you can easily find her. Thanks again and we'll speak soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode and have taken something 
practical a way to help you on your well-being journey if you'd like to connect with me at all you can reach me on socials by searching at louise digby nutrition and you can also find me on my website louisedigbynutrition.com we've got a new web class coming up and you can find out more about that using the link in the show notes or on my website so make sure you don't miss out because it has been ages since I've done a live web class and I'm really really looking forward to connecting with you there.